me this a month or two ago, and it just flowed and flowed. And I'm like, okay, now just open a door. Um, and I believe it is such a timely word that we need right now, and a lot of people need right now. So I'm all about encouragement. I'm all about digging into this word and making it practical and helping people apply it in a practical way every day of their life. I don't like theory. I don't like, you know, oh, just you must, you must, you must. I'm very practical. If you've uh, read my first book, um, Your Greatest Life, Overcoming Depression, Divorce, and Critical Illness, you'll find it's extremely practical. How? What did you do every day when you got up in the morning, when you were facing depression, when you were facing and going through divorce, when you were sick and dying of cancer? What did you do every day? I'm very practical, and I lay it all out. You know, if you haven't read it, you really need to, because it's got nothing to do with me, because it's the love of the heart of the Father, it's encouragement and love from the Father. And he just used me. You know, I just wrote it down. But it's from the heart of the Father. And it's so encouraging. I fought hell and won. <laughs> God. You know, God. But, you know, like, to put, it, put the word how, how, how. Because a lot of people just want to know how. What do you do? And this is what this message is today. Another how. How, how, how. Okay? So... I want to talk about an amazing gift God has given us. And like every gift, the enemy that like every gift God has given us, the enemy wants to steal it away. And he goes to great lengths to try to steal it away, pervert it, and and ruin it for us. So what I want to talk to about to you about today and what God gave me a couple of months ago is the absolute power of our imaginations. This thing God has given us called imagination. And he showed me some stuff I have never seen before. I've been saved for 50 years. I never saw this before. So it was amazing. I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. Imagination. We all have it. It's the best when we're kids, right? But this is a gift from God, but it is such an overlooked gem in God's word the use of our imagination. So I really got into it. And now I want to share it. I believe it's so timely because you all know this last two years has been horrible. There's so much negative out there. So much, you know, pessimism, so much conspiracy theory, so much fear. It's really hijacked a lot of people's minds. And you all know somebody, you're thinking of someone right now. They've hijacked their minds. They're they're paralyzed by fear, uncertainty. You know, they it's taken people captive. Captive. There are people who are afraid to leave their homes. How much more captive can you get? You know, and some of these people are our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, and we need to learn. The enemy has used these things to bring a lot of fear, uncertainty, timidness, 
And, you know, we know it's not just COVID. It could be anything. But this is just, you know, we can all relate to this right now. And we can all, you know, it's the latest thing that the enemy's tried. The enemy loves to plant thought darts, right? Pictures. Pictures in your head. Um, it's his number one weapon. You know, I'm sure you've all read Joyce Meyer, the battlefield is in the mind, right? But the battlefield, particularly what I want to talk about today, is the battlefield is in your imagination, what you're picturing, you know, the movie that's playing in your mind. It could be about anything. Today I want to talk about how to refilm that movie. Okay? Refilm that. This is a very encouraging message today. Because no matter how bad anyone's mind state is right now, God has an answer. So the only thing previously that I had ever learned or been taught about the power of the imagination, and I'm sure you've all read this verse in Genesis 11.6, and this is the only thing I ever heard. Now, this is what they begin to do. Nothing that they imagine in the King James Version, which is, you know, translated from the original, it actually uses the word imagination. Um, The New King James doesn't use that, but the word was imagination because I looked it up in Strong's and it really was. Whatever they imagine to do won't be withheld from them. And they were doing something wrong, right? So... That word in Strong's is uh, Strong's 2161. It means to plan, consider, devise, plot, purpose, or think, but it is in a negative sense. So if if our imaginations that God put in us are that powerful, even in the negative, how much more powerful when you put God's word to work in your imagination? Because of the power of that thing that God has put in us. That's why the enemy wants it so bad. That's why he tries to get in there, get your mind, throw those thought darts, get you thinking on and focusing on his ideas. He knows how powerful it is. And he knows that with it, you can take him down, right? And, you know, we've all heard the the corresponding scriptures, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Let's have a look at that one. 2 Corinthians 10.5. For the weapons, oh, casting down arguments, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All throughout the Bible, we're told about guarding our minds, taking captive, paying attention to what we're thinking about. And there's a reason for this. Okay, also Philippians 4.8, just another one. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, what are noble, just, whatever things are pure, lovely, good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, Think on those things. 
There is a reason we're told to do this. Because if we can keep our minds on the good and the lovely, the power, the absolute power, what we're thinking, because remember, whatever we imagine will not be withheld from us. So my first question was, why is this so powerful? Why? What is power? What's the result? What is this power going to accomplish? And I found that in Ephesians 1.8, but I want to read it in the Passion. Sorry, Ephesians 1.18. And this is the verse that I came across a few months ago that caught my attention so much because I never saw it before. Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us. I looked this up because I'm like, no, that's supposed to be understanding. Every other translation uses the word understanding, which we think is spiritual understanding, right? No, no, no. I looked it up. It is the word imagination. Strong's 1271. And it's only used three times in the New Testament. It means deep thought, the, ex the exercise of your mind, your imagination. In other words, what you're thinking about constantly. It comes from two other words. Uh, the first one means the channel through which. The second word is your thoughts, feelings, and your will. So this word is a combination of your imagination, so it's the channel through which you have deep thought, you exercise your mind and imaginations, which is your thoughts, feelings, and your will. Your will is what you decide to do with it, right? So this just exploded in me. I'm like, wow. So then I had to look it up every other place where it was used. So the next place, Ephesians 4.18, and this showed it in the negative, but it showed it really well. Uh, let's see here. Ephesians 4.18. Where am I here? Oh, wrong Bible. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. Ephesians, I'm going back and forth between the New King James Version and the Passion. So Ephesians 4.18 shows it in the negative. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God they're blinded. Now, they use the word understanding here, but is the exact same word from Strong's. They're blinded imaginations and deep-seated moral darkness keep them from the true knowledge of God. So here again, we see their blinded imaginations equaled the experience that they had. Okay? Now, 1 John 5.20 
shows again the third reference, and this is a positive one. 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has made our imagination come alive. Same word. So that we can know by experience the one who is true. Again, imagination equals experience. Both those. And I want to read them again. Because it's so good. Just the first two. Ephesians 1.18 again. You don't have to turn there again. I just want to emphasize it. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. And we know that the Son of God has made our imagination come alive. I'm back in 1 John so that we can know by experience the one who is true. So we've got to harness this thing called imagination. Because that's how God set it up. I mean, this is the way he's built us. Whatever we're holding, whatever we're picturing, whatever we're constantly running through, that's our experience And that's just the way it is. So this is when the light started to go on. Imagination versus experience. That's its power. That's what makes taking thoughts into captivity work. Focusing what's good and pure and lovely. That's what it's doing in our heads. It's giving us our experience, which means our life. That's its power. So I want to just illustrate, and I want you all to to picture this, because I know I've done this. So imagine you're going to be facing a confrontation, okay? Your spouse is upset at you, perhaps. Maybe your boss, um, sibling, someone. You know, husbands, have have you heard this? We need to talk. (laughs) Your boss, you need to come into my office right now. Could be anyone, okay? Anyone ever been in a situation like that where you're you're facing confrontation of any kind? What do you do immediately, okay? So you're there. (sighs) I know exactly what they're going to say. They're going to come at me with this. So here's what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say this. But then they're going to come back with that. (sighs) And you're just running the whole scenario, exactly how the conversation's going to go. And it's usually not good, right? It's usually not good. And and you're getting all, like, uptight. and, And the adrenaline's starting to flow. And your heart's starting to beat, like, depending on how serious you think this is, right? And you're getting upset. And nothing's happened yet. But your body, how's your body responding? I know for me, I'm getting like upset. Because I'm imagining 
how they're going to respond. And I'm, not, I'm imagining how that's going to make me feel. And then I'm imagining what I'm going to say. And, and, you know, my body is reacting like this stuff is done. Like, like it, you know, been there, right? You know, you're thinking about it. Your mind, you're starting to build on it, right? Your imaginations. Usually it's worst case. So your body is all stressed. You know, I've been there. That's how I got sick in the first place. <laughs> you know, worry, anger, imagining things. You know, it's, this is serious stuff. You know, I'd get irritable. And the reason is, and this is a scientific fact, your body cannot tell the difference between a real situation and what you're imagining. That is proven. That is an actual fact. You know, doctors will say people are in psychiatry hospitals because of what they're imagining and what it does to their bodies. And I will, like, I looked up secular research. And then I'll go into what God says. But, you know, this is, this is a known thing. So, first of all, and this one was really awesome to me because it was a thing, it was a study on cancer. And this particular uh, research paper said your immune system will respond to visualization. And in this particular um, scenario where they tested uh, people, they had a group that was visualizing their cancer cells going back to normal. So you'd have a picture of a sick cell and you'd have a picture of a healthy cell. And they made these people concentrate and picture the healthy cell. And their cancer improved. That's the power of what God has put in us. And you all know movement, okay? Athletes, the ones who picture shooting baskets and hitting it, or, you know, hockey, whatever, had just as much improvement as the ones who actually did it. Proven fact. Um, another study showed people who constantly thought about kindness, people being kind to them, them being kind to other people, and the oxytocin in their brain increased just by imagining kindness. And the fourth one, which we all know, belief. Okay? Um, and in this case, they talked about placebos, right? If somebody believed they were taking a pill that was going to work, even though it was just sugar, they got better because of the power of what they believed. And we know that, right? And all of this, this is just secular research. So I have a question for you. If we can believe this research and that the body will respond to what we're imagining and thinking about, is it so far-fetched that we can believe that our life will respond to what we're thinking about in our godly imaginations? Is that so far-fetched? Because we're really criticized for thinking that, right? But if we can believe it in the secular, how is that so far-fetched that God designed it this way and that our imaginations were designed to build our life? If your body can respond, why can't your life respond? Why not? Imaginations equals experience. So, let's look at some more of what God teaches. 
Proverbs 4.23 in the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of your life. So, heart. Strong's 3820. It's your imagination. Feelings, the center of you, the way you think about yourself. That is the definition of that particular word, heart, that is used there. It's your imaginations. The center of you, the way you're thinking and feeling. Now, with that in mind, let's read it again. So, above all, guard the affections of your feelings, the center of you, and the way you think about yourself, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to that innermost being, because out of it flows your life. There's the proof that imaginations equal experience, and your life will obey. Romans 12.2, another really good one. It's just talking about your mind. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will, as you will have a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. My favorite, Isaiah 26.3. Out of the New King James. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So let's look at the word mind again. Strong's 3336, imagination. A thing framed. And it also has a connotation of being squeezed into a mold. In other words, forming something. What are you forming? What are you framing? Your life. You will keep him in perfect peace whose imagination is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Same thing again, Strong's 3820. Feelings, the center of you, and the way you think about yourself. That reveals the man. That reveals your life. Luke 645. I just want to show you that this is all over the word of God. A good man out of the good treasure of his imagination brings forth good. And also an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. It works both ways. For out of the abundance of your imagination or the way you think, Your mouth's going to speak. The cause, right? 
all the same definitions. And I love that part for out of it. You see it uses the word for, for out of the abundance of your imagination. That's that building. That's that, you know, what you're framing. That's what your mouth is going to speak. So the imaginations cause the good or the evil. You know, and we all know the other scriptures, you know, speak to the mountains. Mark eleven twenty three. I believe and therefore I speak. It's all over the word of God. But let's look at David and Goliath. Okay? Because he demonstrated this perfectly. First Samuel 17, 45 and 46. Love this. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. And here's what he imagined. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you. I will take your head off and I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. He imagined this, and then he spoke it out, and it was his experience. One, two, three. He spoke to it. He ran at that giant with his mouth open. He saw it, and he said it, and it was so. Same principle, Mark eleven twenty three. Let's read it. We all know it, but let's read it. Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, in his head, too. Your heart is how you think, what you're picturing, but believes that those things that you're saying, because you're saying it because you imagined it, because it's in your mind, he will have whatever he says. And here we see it again. Imagination equals experience. You're building your life. You're framing your life. But what's going on in here? So God tells you something in his word. You create it in your imagination. You meditate on it. You think about it until it just takes a hold. You believe it. And then you have it. Right? You speak to it. You speak life to it. God does this. We are in his image. Romans 4.17. Let's look at what God does. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which didn't exist as though they were. When God created the universe, he said, he said, he said, but you can't say something until you see it. You've got to have it in here before you say it. God saw the light before he spoke and made it happen, right? We're created in his image to, to do the same thing, to create the same way. See it, speak it, experience it. That's our God. We have to see it first. So let's get practical because I'm practical. How do we do this? How do we take every thought to captivity? You know, in my books, I always have a section called In Real Life, because I want to share 
how you do this. What do you do when you get up in the morning to put this into practice? You know, I had used to have a real problem with things sticking in my mind. I have a very sensitive spirit. And there are times when I couldn't get things out. Um, because stuff just pops up. You don't even have to do it on purpose. I mean, sometimes things just appear. You know, you're walking through the mall and there's a picture or, you know, you just turn on the TV quick and it's on the wrong station and there's something like, ah, get that off, right? Or, the, you know, music is playing and it's nasty. Sometimes you can't help it. So we all have those thought darts and things that come at us, right? And I had a real issue with that because my spirit is so sensitive. And you know, it would run through my head. And the worst for me was music, like lyrics. And, you know, I'd be in bed at night trying to sleep, and this stupid music would just... I'm like, oh, God. And I had to literally come up with a plan to stop this because I couldn't sleep. So what I did was I started to pick, you know, particular worship music, and I would you know, play it throughout the day. But before I went to bed, I would write down the worship song and a few of the lyrics, and I'd had it by my bedside so that when this stupid music started to come, I, I would just sit up and say, no, I don't want to think that. I'd pick up the baby and I'd start singing the worship song. So I'd be there, you know, singing this. And the moment I stopped, the other one started. I'm like, no, no, no. And I'd sing it again. And I sing. It was like that battle of the bands, right? <laughs> Honestly, it was like the battle of the bands. It was ridiculous. But I kept at it, and I kept at it, and I kept at it. And it took a few months. But now, all that comes is the worship, because the words of God are much more powerful than the words of the enemy. But I had to do it on purpose. You know, I had to pick something. I had to pick a scripture. I had to pick a song, put it by my bedside so that it was there when I woke up or, you know, when I couldn't get to sleep, when this was going, like, because your mind is a powerful thing. That's why the devil wants it. It's so powerful. But I won. And now I don't deal with that anymore because I just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. So this does work. Um, you know, where do you struggle? Maybe it's TV. Um, you know, maybe it's something you just, you know, can't resist. Or maybe it's negative words coming at you all the time. Maybe it's someone you need to kind of put out of your life. <laughs> you know, negative influences. Um, could be certain types of movies. I don't know. Whatever it is. Um, I used to struggle with this, and I, I talk about this in my book, you know, because my husband is not necessarily a spirit-filled person. And at the beginning, he, he just loved all this weird stuff, and I couldn't deal with it. So it was a point of contention, and he'd get mad whenever I didn't want to watch something or I'd leave the room because, you know, well, you're not supporting me, you know, you're not wanting to spend time with me, you know? And I had to... After a while, I had to kind of help him understand, like, I have a really sensitive spirit, and this stuff's keeping me awake. Like, I can't do this. It's got nothing to do with you. I had to protect my spirit, because it affects you. So, you know, after a while, 
got better because of prayer. <laughs> and now he actually supports me and understands. And because he loves the spirit that's in me. And that's part of, you know, what he fell in love with. So, you know, you kind of get through that. You know, first two years of marriage is always hard. So you get through all this stuff that you disagree about. But now, you know, it's in a good place because I've learned that I need to protect my spirit. And he's learned that makes me a much better person. Because this stuff actually does work. But you need to be purposeful. I mean, I'm sure all of you can think of something right now that plays on your mind, right? Every one of you identify something that plays on your mind that you would rather not have there that affects you negatively. And I want you to devise a plan to combat it. Whether it's a certain scripture, whether it's worship music, whether it's something better to watch. You need to change the movie that's playing in your mind. If it's affecting you badly, you need to change the movie that's playing in your mind because it's robbing from you. It's robbing your life, robbing your peace. You need to have a new film. And this can be, you know, as for me, it was certain scripture verses. It was certain worship music. Um, you know, maybe it's, you can think of a beautiful memory. And, you know, write it down. And whenever you're feeling like something negative, just, just read off that beautiful memory that really affected you and made you feel good. Maybe it's a scenario, a scene from an uplifting movie that you watched that makes you feel good when you, when you remember it and think about it. Maybe it's imagining your dreams and goals, like your utmost, what you'd love to become or see or you'd love to your future you to be. And just imagine that. Imagine it over and over again. Write it down and imagine it, you being in that. Imagine yourself being the kind of person you've always wanted to be. Doing something you've always wanted to do. You know, if you're not married, picture the spouse. Picture it. Write it down. Imagine it. Imagine it. Imagine it. Think about it. If there's a particular desire of your heart, and it doesn't have to be spiritual. Like for me, ever since I was young, and at the time, there was no hope of anything that I would ever achieve this. But I dreamed of Italy. It's always been a passion of mine to go to Italy my whole life. But there was never any hope. But it's not, I had pictures of it. I would look at it. I would write things down about it. You know, I would, I would buy Italian food, Italian coffee, you know, anything that was made in Italy, I was buying it, right? And that's not spiritual, but it was a desire of my heart. And I'm about to go on my second trip there. God cares. But I followed his way. I thought about it. I imagined it. Is this going to apply to anything? If it works in the negative, it sure will work in the positive. And if it's a desire of his beloved's heart, you think that's not going to happen for you? He's no respecter of persons. You know, it was something I thought about, imagined about, asked God for. Second trip back. That's our God. You know, you need to write it out. Whatever it is for you, you need to write it out. Get physical pictures, 
whatever you need to create the imagination so you can see it, whatever it is. And if there's an area, you know, especially people who've gone through this COVID thing, and I know I have friends who their minds are just paralyzed, you know? If this is this or anything else is affecting you like this, and you know it's not from God, if, if you're in a panic, if you're in fear, anything, you know that's not from God. It's absolutely not from God. So you need to take positive action against it. And I would encourage, if you're struggling at all, avoid negative media, avoid negative influences, because you've got a job. You've got to change this film, this movie that's playing on your mind. You've got to change. And you know what? You know, people say, my husband's one of them. And I know there's probably people here who say the same thing. You know, well, I can watch whatever I want. I know it's fake. It doesn't affect me. Horse pucky. <laughs> Does affect you. God's not saying all this stuff. Oh, yeah, that's for him. You're different. No. Sorry. Does affect you. And the devil loves nothing more than to fool people into thinking it doesn't affect them. He'll lie to you. He'll get you to deceive yourself. You know, we have to be wise to these things. Am I allowed to say horse pocky? Sorry. <laughs> we do not need to help the devil keep us down and keep us defeated. Okay? You know, um, I managed to find movies to watch still. There's, there's lots of good ones out there that don't have sex, violence, horror, sick stuff. There's lots out there. You can still... Even my husband managed us to keep entertained without all that. Now, it's great. <laughs> he wants every negative picture to keep shooting back at you. Because it's thought darts. It's all darts, darts, darts. Thought darts. Your eye gate, your ear gate, whatever you can get. Right? He'll take it. He will take it. You know, that's why God said in Proverbs 4.23 to guard your heart. Guard your innermost thoughts and your imaginations. This is no joke. It is as, as serious as you can imagine. Amen. Enough's going to get in without even trying. But when it does, you have to literally say no. You have to answer these things. You know, God says we need to say something else because Silence is agreement. Whenever this stuff comes into my head, it's no, I, I answer it. And some of you will relate to this. The devil comes at me a lot about my kids because, you know, I'm just mama bear. And, you know, my kids were everything to me. Still are, even though they're grown up, you know. But he'll come at me. Because, you know, he knows I'm a mama bear. And he'll put imaginations about my kids, you know, and things happening to them and stuff. And I literally have to say no out loud. I answer the thought. And I say, literally, that will never happen. And then I'll quote a scripture. My children are taught of the Lord and great is their peace. I will answer. See, that thing is called worry, right? We're all familiar with worry. You know, when the devil, 
Say something. Don't ever let that thought stay there. Even if it, no is an answer. Even if you don't know a scripture to combat it with, right at that moment, no is an answer. That is a stand. You know, when I was in the hospital and I could hardly even think or, you know, couldn't move, and I was hurting so bad when the devil, the only thing I could whisper was no. But that was a stand. That was an answer. And it stuck. You need to answer it. That's a spiritual force. Answering it is a spiritual force. So I would encourage you to arm yourself. Have something prepared. If you struggle with stuff going through your head at night, have something prepared by your bedside. If you struggle with movies, go through and find one. I have a list because my husband likes to watch movies. So I go through and I, we have to pick out things that I'm okay with. <laughs> so we have a list. We're prepared to not be in that situation where I have to run out of the room and then fix whatever picture got in my head, right? You have to prepare. You have to be proactive. So I would encourage you to do that. Just like God, we call things that be not as though they were. We call the life we want. We call the situation we want. We call the marriage we want. We call the job we want, right? We call the favor we want. We picture it. We imagine it. I, I talked in my book about my, my job because I was off for a while sick. And when I got back, um, you know, they, I was supposed to go back to my regular and it took a while and took a while and, and I was getting really upset. And then I'm like, no, I don't beg the world for anything. So I went to God about it. I said, this is what I want. This is what they said. I, this is what I demand. And two weeks later, I had it. And they're real good to me. They're real good to me. I pictured it. I spoke it. I prayed about it. And I expected it. In his image, we cause things to line up because we believe it, because we see it, just like God does. And that's why getting to your mind is the enemy's number one tactic. Religion and the enemy want to keep you defeated. But God is the lifter of your head. The Bible is full of outrageous promises. Outrageous promises. God has already healed you 2,000 years ago? That's outrageous. It's like, wow. He'll give you the desires of your heart? That's outrageous. But they're all for you. Everything he tells you that's available, it's all for you, his beloved, because he wants you to have a good life. None of this that I'm telling you today is, is not in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. There's a good life for you. Get it in here. Change the film. Change what's playing. I want to leave you with Ephesians 3.20. From the passion, 
my favorite. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.